Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Each day we'll look at a text from the weekly readings from the Westgate Church Bulletin. We will look at background material and also application of the text. So once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. If you've noticed something interesting about our readings this week, they've all come from the Old Testament. And we've looked at this picture that the Old Testament is painting, looking ahead, prophesying about the coming of Christ, the coming of the Messiah. Israel had hopes and dreams that one day God would vindicate them, that he would be faithful to the promises he had made. Israel had a story that was looking for an ending, and it was all pointing toward the coming of Jesus Christ. You have all these lines in the Old Testament. I look at them as giant power lines that run through the Old Testament text, and they all come together in Christ. I think of tributaries of of water that run through the Old Testament. They all come together into a flooding torrent of a river of Jesus Christ. So these are all pointing ahead to his coming. And today we get another one of those prophecies. We've already talked about Isaiah this week. Isaiah the prophet who is prophesying in a time of disobedience. He's prophesying in a time when God's people are are rebellious, just to to be quite simple. And it's a dark time uh, for people that really care about God and really care about his covenant. It's a dark time for Isaiah, but there is a light ahead. There's hope, and it's hope for all mankind. It's not just hope for Isaiah and his people in his day and time, but it's a universal hope for all people. And in our reading today, we're we're going to start in verse 1, and we're going to end in verse 10. Now, you may think, well, why did you arbitrarily pick verses 1 through 10 of of chapter 11? And there's a reason for this. There is a, a bracket set up here by Isaiah. And writers in the Bible do this a lot. Some people call these inclusios, where you start off a teaching with a phrase and you come back and you rephrase it again later, maybe in a different way. And so he starts off verse one with talking about the shoot from the stump of Jesse. So there's the stump of Jesse. Then in verse 10, he comes back and talks about the root of Jesse. Now, the reason Jesse would be mentioned twice is Jesse is the father of King David. If you remember back earlier in the Old Testament. And there was a belief that God would send a king, and not just any king, it would be a new David, but a better David. Every king that came after David was compared to King David. So God is going to send a king that's even better than David. Jesus is going to be greater than they could ever imagine. He's going to tie together all these streams of hope. So as you look at the Old Testament, you look at people in the Old Testament grappling with these prophecies, There's a prophecy of of a great prophet. There's the prophecy of a a great, maybe a high priest even. There's this suffering servant prophecy. There's this kingly figure that's going to come. And in Jesus Christ, he ties all of these hopes and dreams and expectations together. So they're they're looking for signs of this puzzle and how it's going to come together. And in Jesus, it fits together perfectly. Well, that said, let's look at our reading. It's rather lengthy, but it's important. Chapter 11 of Isaiah, verses 1 through 10. This is the English Standard Version. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his root shall bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see, or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. 
and he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge as the waters cover the sea. In that day the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal for the peoples of him. Shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. So a lot of things here that you can pick out in this text, a lot of themes uh, that repeat themselves. One thing that, that is repeated here, if you've noticed in verse 10, or verse 2 of chapter 11, is the idea of rest. The Spirit of God shall rest upon him. Then in verse 10, we see this resting place will be glorious. And we'll know later in the ministry of Jesus, he, he tells people that his burden is light. Uh, his yoke is easy. That people can find rest in him. He is the fulfillment of Sabbath rest. So in Jesus Christ, we can rest and have peace. So there's a an image of that looking ahead, this rest that we find in Christ. But notice some of the attributes that we see of this one that is coming, this king that will be like David. We see that these come in pairs. There's wisdom and understanding. Wisdom to, to know how to do things. Wisdom how to judge situations and understanding that he can see through what people get caught up in. We get caught up in this outward appearance but he's going to have a deep understanding where people like the poor and, and those that, that are rich would be judged equally. Now, there would not be uh, some type of inequity because of the haves and the have-nots. People will be given a fair shake, so to speak, with this Messiah. He can't be bribed. He's not that kind of corrupt king. He's going to be different. And he has also the other pair as counsel and power. So counsel means he has the right plan to go forward. And he has the power to carry it out. So we have a king that knows the right path, but the king also has the power to do it. I find it interesting, too, that he's not going to fight this battle with normal armament. He will just use the words of his mouth. Now, how true is that, that the word of Jesus is powerful? We see it through the Gospels, how his word is powerful. We see today that through the the Gospel proclamation, his word is powerful. His word is so powerful that when God created the world, he spoke it into existence. Then we see later when he He brings to life uh, the man from the dust, he breathes, it breathes into him the breath of life. So his breath brings life. So God's breath, God's speech has power. The speech of Christ has power. Uh, and notice towards the end of this reading, you've got this new Eden. God is reversing the curse in Christ. You know, this adversarial relationship, predator-prey, tooth and claw, is coming to an end. That you're going to have these animals that were carnivores, and this predator-prey relationship is going to come to an end. But if you were paying attention, you probably noticed something really interesting in verse 8, when it talks about the nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and you would have a weaned child put their hand on the adder's den. This goes back to Genesis 3.15. The curse put upon 
the creation, the enmity, the warfare between the seed of the woman and the serpent. You know, the serpent would strike at his heel. Now we know eventually the the head crusher of the serpent from Genesis 3.15 will be Jesus himself, but somehow looking forward to a great day, a messianic day, you'll have the overturning of this curse. These two deadly serpents, a cobra and, and an adder, uh, that would be feared during that time, of, of the time of Isaiah. Now even children would be safe around these animals. So this the relationship, relationship between mankind, uh, the the offspring of the woman, and serpents. There's going to be a change in that relationship. And he talks about the mountain of the Lord. The holy mountain is Eden. We know from Ezekiel 28, we know from reading into the passage in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 that Eden was on a high place. It was on a mountain. So the mountain of the Lord is the dwelling place of the Lord. A lot of people see this dripping with new creation overtones. That at the end of time, when Christ returns and sets all things right, he will establish a new heavens, a new earth, a new creation. So in this new creation world, you're kind of getting images of the curse being overturned, complete rest and bliss in Jesus. So this is a beautiful passage, and there's so much to it uh, for us to, to Christians to kind of chew on and, and, and marinate uh, the, just the information that's here about Christ. But as we always do after we've walked through this passage and looked at the main themes, I want to go back and reread it to you so you can hear it fresh again. This is Isaiah 11, verses 1 through 10. 1 through 10. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his root shall bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He should not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion, the fattened calf together and the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day the root of Jesse, who shall send as a signal for the peoples of him, shall the nations inquire. And his resting place shall be glorious. Now I want to just say this to you as we're closing out this week of podcast. This week, if you're in town in Dothan, Alabama, we would love to have you at Westgate Church of Christ. In our classes, we begin our classes at 9 a.m. here at Westgate. We would love to have you. We're going to explore this passage in our classes. Scott Bolton has put together some great notes. We're going to talk about this this root, this stump of Jesse and this branch, we're going to explore that theme in our classes. So if you want more of this passage, please come and be with us for class. And in our sermon, we're going to talk about the grand birth of Jesus. We're going to tie some of these themes together. We've been reading about and talking about this week, and we're going to talk about the wondrous birth of Jesus Christ. Well, I hope you have a great weekend. Uh, I hope you've been encouraged this week with our readings, and I hope to see you back again next week as we pick back up with those readings.